Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in ways that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise in the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Cheyenne Dunham, and I want to welcome you to the May 31st episode of the Bull Bear Banter. As usual, I'm joined by Tom Guinan, and he's going to give us the week-to-week market changes. Cheyenne, on Friday afternoon, corn lost about $0.09, cents, with July closing at 427 but that's still up 23 for the week. December futures ended the week at 443 and 3 quarters, and that's up 24 for the week. For soybeans, they both lost about $0.11 cents today, with July futures ending at 877 and 3 quarters, and November at 904 and 3 quarters, and both of them are up about $0.48 cents for the week. So all in all, pretty good week. Tom, I think we have at least a couple of things we could call the big story this week, but I think the most important one is the continued upward movement of the corn futures. December corn futures hit a life of contract high this week at 454, meaning that since the inception of this particular contract, it has never been higher than the level it hit early Wednesday, before the sell-off that took place later in the day. The past couple of days have gotten close, but we haven't exceeded that number yet. And July corn came close to its life of contract high, which was set at the end of May last year at 445. On Wednesday, it hit 438 and has come close to that number again on Thursday and Friday. But for now, the May 29th, 2018 high holds at 445. While we are nowhere near the life of contract highs for July or November soybeans, they have also had a pretty decent climb this week. Let's jump into the bull bear factors uh, for this week, Cheyenne. For corn, the bullish news this week is the same main driver we've had week after week for the last few weeks now, the lack of planting progress in some key states. Overall, as of last Sunday, the U.S. was 58% planted versus an average of 90%. Illinois gained 11 points, but they're still behind at 35% versus a 95% average. And Indiana gained 8 points to get to 22%, but that compares to their average of 85% at this time every other year. The bright spots are here in the western corn belt with Nebraska at 81% versus 94% average, Iowa at 76% versus 96% average, and Minnesota at 66% versus 93% average. The resulting rally from the report pushed cash corn to $4 or more at many of our locations earlier this week. On the ethanol front, the EIA weekly report showed a decrease in stocks of 33 million gallons. Overall, this is good news, but a small part of the reduction came from a reduction in the production down about 4 million gallons from last week. Tom, on the bear side, the first bear bullet was in contention for the big story this week. And this brings us to a new feature of the bull bear banter we're gonna start adding. This is our tweet of the week. This week's tweet happened Thursday after the close when President Trump announced that effective June 10th, the US will impose a 5% tariff on all goods coming into our country from Mexico until such time as illegal immigrants coming through Mexico and into our country stop. The tariff will gradually increase until the illegal immigration problem is remedied, at which time the tariffs will be removed. Further details from the White House went on to add that the tariffs could reach 25% in the future. As we've learned from past experiences, it's not unusual for the Trump administration to not release complete details, and we're seeing that again here. So this left many more questions than answers. The result of the grain markets was that it pushed us much lower overnight, with July and December corn down about 13 at the low. We did see a little bounce during the day, but as mentioned earlier, it closed down about 9. Export sales continue to be behind the pace needed to hit the USDA projections for this crop year, putting us approximately 171 million bushels short of the estimate at this point in time. 
And a question from many this week is, how high will we go? Now that we've seen $4 for old and new crop, one concern we have is that people stop selling at levels that are beneficial to their operations. One guy I spoke to this week said, to infinity and beyond, but sometimes you need to stop and refuel, and that's when I make some of these sales. And it's not a bad thought. That's great info, Cheyenne. Um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. On the bullish side for soybeans, the main bullish factor is the same as for corn, lack of planning progress. This is really the first week that we've seen soybean values rally much at all. This week, the USDA estimated progress at 29% for the U.S., well below the 66% average. It's interesting to note that North Dakota is leading the pack at 46% versus their 65% average, Minnesota's at 35% versus their 77% average, and Iowa is at 32% versus the same 77% average. Both Illinois and Indiana are lagging quite a bit, Illinois at 14% and Indiana at 24%. The ongoing concern for all of these unplanted acres continue to be A, how many acres will be left unplanted, and B, how many will switch from corn acres to bean acres or bean acres to corn acres, and I think a lot of that is uh, definitely yet to be seen. So the good news for this week is that soybean prices are higher than the end of last week, at one point, July futures and November futures were both up about 60 cents for the week before the sell-off today. We did start seeing quite a few soybeans being sold before today's downturn. Tom, on the bear side, export sales continue to be behind the pace needed to hit the USDA projections. While not as severe as the deficit on corn exports, soybean sales are more than 18.5 million bushels behind where they would need to be to hit the target. That's only about 1% behind, but time is getting short to make that up. The Trump tweet, like we mentioned earlier, the sell-off going into the weekend, and the forecast for more rain in the next few days kind of all roll into one bearish factor for the beans to round out the week. But the main concern is that the record large ending stocks number we'll face at the end of this crop year. Does it stay in the 900 million bushel area, or does it eventually exceed the 1 billion bushel mark? I guess time will tell on that one. We'll have to wait and see. So let's kind of start wrapping this up and go to our segment of why does it matter. First off, I'd like to say that whether they're listening to us or doing it on their own, we filled a lot of offers this week. It's really good to see people taking advantage of this rally and bringing their average sales price up for either old crop or new crop corn. A significant amount of corn has been sold in the Midwest in the past three weeks. We continue to say that we're among the more, more fortunate people. Even with the rains we have seen, for the most part, in the Landis footprint, corn is pretty much planted. And while the excess rains are definitely not helping the crop progress, it is good to kind of sit here in Iowa and not be in Illinois or Indiana or South Dakota with very little even planted. Soybean sales continue to lag, and with good reason, but it has been good to see folks making a few sales the past couple of days, both old crop and new crop. Who knows where this price will be in October, but it feels like a sale above $8 for new crop is a good place to get started for a lot of folks. Things to watch for in our upcoming events. As always, the weekly crop progress reports are going to impact the markets more than anything right now. We all keep hoping for a few solid days of sunshine and warmth, and when that happens, it will be interesting to see how much progress is made week to week. I had a farmer tell me earlier this week that it really mattered this year that he planted when he could, even if it was only two or three hours at a time ahead of the next rain. As mentioned earlier, we're starting a new feature, our Tweet of the Week. If you're a Twitter follower and you see a tweet we should consider, we'd love to hear from you. 
Again, this doesn't have to be, you know, USDA heavy policy influence. It can just be, you know, you made it out in the field or you didn't make it out in the field, you know, keep it appropriate, but entertaining tweets are okay that are market or ag related. So if you see one of those, drop us an email with a picture or quote of it. That's going to be emailed to our email at podcast at landiscooperative.com. Hey, Cheyenne, I've got a great idea. How about for the best tweet of the week or the one that we feature on the Bull Bear Banter, we'll send that uh, person that sends that in, we'll send them a nice little gift package of maybe that, uh, what do we call it, a thingamajiggy, that Bull Bear squishy squeeze uh, thing we've got, maybe some other things. So send those emails in and we'll see if we can get you on the air. Thanks, Tom. Um, Just to touch base, both Tom and I will be taking some time off during the month of June. I think one of us will be on the podcast every week, but most weeks we'll have a guest host. So stay tuned for some different voices over the next three or four weeks. We will continue to wish you nothing but sunshine and good luck, whether we are here or away. We appreciate you joining us today for the Bull Bear Banter as part of the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast. Tom, you forgot our new sign-off again last week. I really think we need to start having people email us when they notice that, and maybe they should also get a prize if they catch us forgetting their tagline. But I'm going to go ahead and add it here. Bulls make money, bears make money, and pigs go to market. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. We want to thank you for listening, and we look forward to talking with you again next week. Mm